Innal hamdalillah nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nastaghfiruh wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa sayyiati a'malina may yahdihillahu fala mudilla lahu wa may yudlil fala hadiya lahu ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lahu wa ashhadu anna muhammadan 'abduhu wa rasuluhu ya ayyuhalladhina amanu taqullaha haqqa tuqatih wa la tamutunna illa wa antum muslimun ya ayyuhannasu taqu rabbakum alladhi khalaqakum min nafsin wahidah وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والارham ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما اما بعد Many people nowadays have have trouble communicating with their children and enjoying relations and coming together. We have a lot of a lot of time-saving gadgets. We have instant messaging instant pictures instant noodles <laughs> we have microwaves we have telephones we have cell phones that connect us with the whole world we can instantly connect to people across the world thousands and thousands of miles away these are all things that are supposed to save us time yet it seems the only thing we don't have is time It seems like we don't have time for our families. We don't have time for our children. We don't have time to come together. We don't have time to visit our neighbors and visit our aunts and uncles. And some of us don't even have time to visit our parents. And so the relationship between different members of our family dwindle and then we also have less understanding the young are always saying that the elderly or their parents don't understand them and so how can we strengthen this bond what can we do to strengthen the bond strengthen our families strengthen ourselves and strengthen the ummah why because of course it starts from us as you can see the theme change yourself change the world and nowadays a lot of people don't understand the importance of enjoining relations in islam enjoining relations is of the utmost importance in fact the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said in hadith in sahih bukhari la yadkhul al-jannah qati' one he who does not enjoin relations or he who cuts ties 
He will cut ties, will not enter Jannah. He will cut ties, will not enter Jannah. Sufyan Mathuri, he said, he who cuts ties, meaning cuts the ties of kinship. And so in order for us to enter Jannah, we have to enjoin relations. We have to learn to love each other. We have to strengthen this bond between us and the people around us. Strengthening that bond between us and the people who are closest to us, our parents, our spouses, our aunts and uncles, our grandparents, and, and, and the people who are, are near, our neighbors, and so forth. And amongst the signs of the day of judgment, you see that these relationships start to dwindle. And one of the signs that the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, amongst the signs of the day of judgment, he said, that you see the Bedouins, barefooted, poor, destitutes, competing with each other in building tall buildings. And of course, we see that with our very own eyes. In Dubai, they're actually planning another building that's twice as tall as the building that's there. And of course, in Jeddah also, and believe it or not, also in Kuwait, all in Arabia. They're competing for tall buildings. But I'm mentioning this because the Prophet ﷺ, he also said after that, he said that amongst those signs of the nearing, of the coming, of the hour, the hour, the hour he said, And that also a woman will give birth to her master. A woman will give birth, give birth to her master. Well, what does that mean? Well, one of the interpretations as mentioned by some of the scholars amongst them, Imam Manawi and others, he said, that, he said that there will come a time in which children will be so disobedient to their parents that they will treat their parents as if, or treat their mothers as if they're slaves. And how does this happen? Well, if you look at some children nowadays, you see that when they want something, when they quote unquote need something, they say to their parents, mom, you have to buy this. You have to buy the latest Xbox. Or PlayStation. Like you have to. They're not asking, no. They're ordering. Everyone has it. You have to buy it for me. Who speaks? Who are the people who speak like that? They are the masters who speak to their slaves. That's how you speak. That's how they used to speak to them. And so children are treating their parents and ordering their parents as if and that a female slave, a woman will give birth to her master and so the ties of kinship between children and parents between the household start to dwindle but how can we change all of that and what are some of the things 
that we can do. As I mentioned, first and foremost, we have to realize the, the, great, the great reward and that Islam enjoins that we, that we enjoin relationships, that we enjoin ties of kinship. In fact, the Prophet said, Man fi rizqi. He who wants that Allah opens up for him the doors of provisions, and I mean increasing his wealth, you want more money. But if you want Allah to increase your wealth, and he wants his reputation, of course, later on afterwards to be remembered in the best way, then let him enjoin relations. Then let him enjoin relations. And so in Islam, it's very important to strengthen that family, strengthen those family ties. Because when the family... When the family ties are broken off and the family is broken, then society goes with it also. And the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he also mentioned one of the quickest sins, one of the sins that you will see the effects of the quickest. He said, مَا مِن ذَمِّن أجدر أن يعجل الله لصاحبه صاحبه العقوبة في الدنيا مع ما مع ما يدخر له في الآخرة من البغي وقطيئة الرحم. There is no sin that a person will most likely see the result of it in punishment in this life, along with what will be waiting for him in the hereafter. There's no sin that you see the results of it more I mean, in terms of you pun being punished in this life and the hereafter quicker than transgression. I mean, transgressions and oppression, oppressing others and transgression. And waqati'at rahim And also cutting of ties. So what does enjoining relations mean? What does that mean, enjoining ties? Does it mean if somebody's nice to me, then I'm nice to them? No. The Prophet said, لَيْسَ الْوَاصِلْ بِالْمُكَافِيَةِ Enjoining relations does not just mean you, you know, you, you return a favor. Meaning if someone does good to you, then you do good to them. That's not just enjoying, that's incumbent upon all of us. That's incumbent upon all of us. And that's mandatory upon every Muslim. That when someone is nice to you, you're nice to them. When someone is good to you, you're good to them. That's something that is the default. That's normal. But that which is rewarding is enjoining relations. He says, وَلَكِنَ الْوَاصِلَ The one who enjoins relations is when there is a, a, a severing of ties. He tries to do his best to enjoin them. I mean, you're always working to enjoy relations between the people around you. And, and so how do we do that? What are some of the things that we need to do? Well, as I mentioned, it's mandatory. And it's something that to help us enter Jannah. Because when you cross the Sirat, that bridge over Jahannam, 
just like a person who is crossing you know, on a tightrope, they need something to balance them. You also need something to balance you. So you don't fall to the left or to the right. And you know what those two things are? The Prophet ﷺ said, when a believer is on the sirat, there are two things that will come to his right and to his, and to his left. And they keep in balance. And what are those two things? Al-amanatu wal-rahim. Al-amana, being trustworthy. Trustworthiness and al-rahim. And your enjoining of ties and enjoining of kinship. And so, if you want to enter Jannah, you will not be able to enter Jannah if you sever ties of kinship and if you don't enjoin relations. And so it's, it's, it's very, very important for all of us to know the importance of this. And so how do we do, how do, we do it? Well, let's start with the, the people who are closest to us and how we communicate with them. Because communication with people are around us and communication with our children and our parents and um, our relatives is very important because a word here and a word there can cause a severing of ties. And so we have to learn and we have to show love and compassion first and foremost. The Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was the most compassionate, the most kind. And he was always concerned about the well-being of the people around him and the well-being of the believers, men, women, and children alike. One day, he was in, in prayer, and it was Fajr prayer. And you know, in, normally, during Fajr prayer, the Prophet ﷺ would recite something between 60 and 100 verses. In the rak'ah, he would recite between 60 and 100 verses. But this morning, I mean, on this particular morning, the Prophet ﷺ recites Al-Fatiha. And then, he hears the crying of a baby. He hears the crying of a baby. And the Messenger of Allah recites, He recites the shortest chapter in the Quran. He says, Allahu Akbar. When he finishes, he turns around and he says, I, when I stood up to pray, I intended to prolong the prayer. But when I heard the crying of the baby, I was compassionate towards her. I mean, I felt, I felt for her. And so he shortened the prayer because of a baby, because of his compassion for the mother also. Like imagine how the mother must have been feeling. The baby is crying and she is praying. But this is the compassion of the Prophet ﷺ. And that's what we have to have.
towards the people around us. And then, of course, if this were to have happened in some of our masajids, what do you think would happen? Maybe some imams, some imams might, might turn around. Sisters, why are you bringing children, your, your babies to the masjid at Fajr time? Right? They might question that. But that's not what the Prophet ﷺ was saying. He felt compassionate. The masjid was very welcoming for all men, women, and children also. And on another occasion, on another occasion, he was praying. He went down in sujood, and two toddlers, two young kids came in. They came into the masjid, and these were his grandsons, Al-Hasan and Al-Hussein. They start to climb on his back, and he's in prayer, and he's in sujood. And of course, the people behind have no idea what's happening. And he is in sujood for so long. Some of the companions who were praying behind him, they said, we thought the worst had happened. Like, what could have happened? He's in sujood for so long until some of them raised their heads. And then they saw Al-Hasan Hussein on the back of the Prophet ﷺ's back playing. And after he finished praying, do you know what he said? Did he go back to Fatima? Fatima, what are you doing? Why are you not taking care of your children? No. He turns around and he says to the congregation, he said, he told them the reason why he prolonged his sujood. He said, I prolonged my sujood because I didn't want to bother them in their play. Allahu Akbar. He's leading the people in prayer and he continues to be in sujood for so long. So he prolonged this prayer because of two babies. And he shortened the other prayer because of another baby. That was the compassion of the Prophet wasallam, the love that he had for the people. And so when we're dealing with our children, you have to deal with compassion and love. But at the same time also, you have to remind them with hopes and fear, meaning give them hopes. Don't, be all, don't always be negative. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us about what Luqman, Luqman al-Hakim said to his son. He says, بَعْنِعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ وَإِذْ قَالَ لُقْمَانُ لِبْنِهِ وَهُوَ يَعِذُهُ يَا بُنَيَّ لَا تُشْرِكْ بِاللَّهِ إِنَّ الشِّرْكَ لَظُلْمٌ عَظِيمٌ And remember when Luqman, Luqman said to his son, while he was Ya'idhuhu. Al-wa'ad. Ya'idhuhu means to, to advise, but to invite, advise by mentioned by giving them something to hope for and also warning them also. Advising, not just yelling and screaming, no. Telling them of the great rewards and so forth with, with things that they love. And that's why in Islam, you know, there are some people who, when they speak to their children, they might, they always are negative. You, if you don't get up to pray, you're going to be in Jahannam. You're going to be in the hellfire. 
Right? And they're very negative. Why don't you say to them instead, Son, get up and pray so we can enter Jannah together. Son, get up and pray so we can enter paradise together. Be positive also. Don't just be negative all the time. Give them something to hope for. But at the same time, sometimes you also have to warn them of the, the consequences also of their deeds. And speak to them and connect them with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And also before you can do that, of course, you have to earn their trust. And that's something that's very, very important to strengthen the bonds between you and your children and between you and the teenagers in your family and between you and your friends and, and, your fa and family members uh, far and near. And so when you speak to them also, when you speak to others also, make sure that if, you're, if they're doing, if they don't know, make sure you teach them. Make sure you teach them before you discipline them. Because sometimes people make mistakes, but they don't know, or they need reminders, or they don't know that they made, they made mistakes. And so you speak to those people differently. I'm going to give you an example during the time of the Prophet wasallam. A Bedouin came into the masjid, and he went to the corner, he went to a corner of the masjid, went to a corner of the mosque, and he urinated there. And he started urinating there, and the people in the masjid were in uproar. Everyone was screaming and yelling, and the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, Stop! Let him finish. Allahu Akbar. He's urinating in the, in the corner of the masjid. In the masjid! And the Prophet وسلم, is telling the companions, Let him finish. So he finishes urinating. He finishes urinating. And the Prophet ﷺ has calmed the people down already. And he calls them over and he says, These masajids, these mosques, are the houses of God. These are the houses of Allah. They are not, it's not, these are not appropriate places for you to do anything except for. So he's teaching him. Except for prayers, the remembrance of Allah, and the recitation of the Qur'an. I mean, this is what it's for. And so that companion, that Bedouin, because of the way that the Prophet ﷺ spoke to him, the kind and gentle way that he treated him, he felt so comfortable with the Prophet ﷺ in comparison to how everyone else was treating him or yelling at him. That he said, Oh Allah, have mercy upon me and Muhammad and nobody else. Because <laughs> everyone else was mean to him. <laughs> and so the Messenger of Allah وسلم, he said, Why have you constricted something that is so vast? I mean, the mercy of Allah is vast. Why have you constricted it? I mean, don't constrict it to just us, to just us. Everyone else also. Make supplication that Allah is merciful towards everyone else also. But from this hadith, what do we learn? One of the lessons we learn is that if someone does not know that what they're doing is wrong, 
Don't scold them. Don't yell at them, but teach them instead. And so you might say, hey, this Bedouin here urinated in the masjid. Did he not know that that was wrong? Let me tell you, he did not know that that was wrong. He did not know that that was wrong. You might say, well, that's common sense. Who wouldn't know that? Well, a Bedouin doesn't know that. If you were to reflect upon his lifestyle, then you would know that he did not know that that was wrong. Because a Bedouin moves from one pasture to the next, or one, one place to the one valley to the next, looking for pasture for his flock. And so, whenever he feels the urge to urinate, what does he do? He goes to the side. No matter where he is, no matter where he is, he just finds a place. And whenever he needs, he feels the urge to urinate, that's where he urinates. The whole desert to him is a bathroom. Right? Isn't that true? And so he's coming to the city, which he doesn't come often. And he feels the urge to urinate, so his first instinct is what? Instinctively, he just goes to the side and he urinates. He did not know that that was wrong. And the Prophet ﷺ knew this. And so that's why he did not scold him. He did not scold him. And so sometimes when you're speaking to your children, when you're speaking to others, make sure that they know that they're wrong. Or if they don't know, make sure you know that they know. If they do not know, then teach them. Don't just scold them from the very beginning, no. And so... In Islam, the Messenger of Allah also taught us to be respectful towards the elders and merciful towards the youngsters. He said, Laysa minna man lam kibarana wa lam yarham sigarana. He is not amongst us. He who, is a, who, he who does not respect our elders nor is, and is not respectful towards our youngsters, or is not merciful towards our youngsters. And so you also have to be respectful towards your elders also. And you have to realize that those who are older than us, they have gone through life and they have a lot of, they've had a lot of experience. And you know how many times, you know, for how many times have we as adults, how many times have we, when we were younger, we used to think that our parents did not understand. We used to think that our parents did not know. We used to think that our parents did not know anything. That's what sometimes, you know, teenagers, that's what, that's what they think. And then when we grow up, what do we say? When we grow up, we start quoting our parents. Isn't that, is that an ironic? When we grow up, we, we say, you know, my father used to say this. And my mother used to say that. And so then we, quote, we start quoting our, 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 our parents. And so youngsters have to learn and be respectful. And also the elders have to be merciful towards the youngsters and to speak to them in the best way possible and be kind to them. And so the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was compassionate and kind to all 
On one occasion, he heard of a death. A death? A death of what? A death of a bird. A pet bird. A pet bird that belonged to the brother of Anas ibn Malik. The messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa when he heard about it, he visited him, he saw him, he saw that young boy. And he was consoling him, he said, Ya Aba Umayr, Ya Aba Umayr, ma fa'ala nughayr. He said, Oh Abu Umayr. And he gave him a kunya. He spoke to him in the best way possible. He used the, the, the sweetest words that one can use. Gave him a kunya. He says, Ya Aba Umayr, ma fa'ala nughayr. What happened to your bird nughayr? Allah, Allahu Akbar, the Prophet ﷺ visited a boy because his pet bird died. We're not talking about his father, his mother, his aunts, his uncle, his brothers, his sisters. No, a pet bird. But that's who the Prophet ﷺ was. فَبِمَا رَحْمَةٍ مِّنَ اللَّهِ لِنْتَ لَهُمْ وَلَوْ كُنْتَ فَضًّا غَلِيظُ الْقَلْبِ لَنْفَضُّ مِنْ حَوْلِكِ And because of the mercy of God, you were merciful, merciful towards him, towards them. If you were harsh and cold-hearted, then they would have fled from you. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also tells us the stories of the prophets and messengers of before, of how their relationship with their children and the youngsters and the, how it was. Yusuf alayhi salam, Yusuf alayhi salam saw a dream. He saw a strange dream. And who does he go to? Who does he go to? This young boy sees a very strange dream. He comes to his father. He comes to his father. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِذْ قَالَ يُوسُفُ لِأَبِيهِ يَا أَبَتِي إِنِّي رَأَيْتُ أَحَدَ عَشَرَ كَوْكَبًا وَالشَّمْسَ وَالْقَمَرَ رَأَيْتُهُمْ لِسَاجِدِينَ Oh, dear father, ya abati. Look at the words that he used. He says, oh my dear father. What does this show? This shows that this, this son had respect and he had manners. And that's why it's very important for us to teach our children manners. Because if they have manners, uh, then you can teach them anything you want. But if they don't have manners, you will not be able to teach them. You won't be able to teach them. So one of the first things you teach them is you have to teach them and instill in them the belief in Allah and the taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then, of course, you instill in them manners and respect for your, your, for, for parents and elders and the people around you. And so he says, Ya Bunay. Oh, he says, Ya, ya Abati. Oh, my dear father. First, why did Yusuf, Prophet Yusuf come to his father? Why? Because there was a bond. Because he trusted his father. So you have to strengthen this bond between you and your children because if you don't have this bond between you and your children, when they have problems then they will go to other people and they won't come to you. And those people, the other people might not give him or her the best advice. And that's why you have to strengthen the bond and earn the trust of your children 
so that when they have problems, they come to you. And so that's what Prophet Yaqub did. He had very strong bond with his son Yusuf. And that's why when he saw this dream, the first person he came to was his father Yaqub. And so you have to have, you have to spend time with the people in your family. But you might say, well, we don't have time, as I mentioned in the beginning. Everyone is busy. Well, you know what? You should never make that as an excuse because when you say you don't have time, it's like saying it's not important enough for you to make time for. It's not that you don't have time. Your relationship with your children and your family and your aunts and uncles your family and, and, and the people uh, around you is very important. It's your path to Jannah, inshallah, to enjoin relations and to strengthen those bonds. And we might say we don't have time. And if you don't have time, and some of us are very busy, yes, I understand. But if you, do have, if you don't have a lot of time, the time that you do have, make sure it is quality time. If you don't have the quantity, then make it up with quality. And quality time is not you spending your time with your phone or a computer, and your children are with their iPads and tablets. That's not quality time. Like nowadays, even at the dinner table, everyone has their own device, and everyone's in their own world. One is checking their Instagram, and before they even say Bismillah, they say Instagram. Like they're taking a picture of that already. They're in their own world, and you're in your own world. That's not quality time. If you don't have the quantity, then make it up with quality. And also, in order for us to strengthen the ties, and a relationship amongst ourselves. We as Muslims, we as Muslims, we have to help each other by making the whole family contribute to the Ummah for the advancement of Islam in the Muslims. And so whenever you do something, when you come to the masjid, when you volunteer, when you're doing something, try to make it a family event also. Help the community. Be the best in your, in your, in your neighborhood. And do so as a family. We have to strengthen the ties of kinship. We have to strengthen those ties in order to survive these hard times. And we have to learn to respect each other and we have to instill the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in our children we have to instill taqwa Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in our children and when I mean you don't have to if you don't have time as I mentioned you don't have to have a specific time where all of you get together and you're teaching a book or reading a book to someone meaning you know, you know everyone has a halaqah in their house you don't really have to it's just your regular conversation while you are cleaning the house or while you're in the car, turn around and ask him or her about certain aspects of the deen or mention something that is beneficial. And that's what the Prophet ﷺ used to do. 
one day he would turn around, he, one day he turned around and Abdullah ibn Abbas was behind him. And this was when they were on, on, on they were riding on a donkey. And, and Abdullah ibn Abbas was behind the Prophet وسلم, and he said to him, he said, Ya Ghulam, he said, oh young boy. He said, Inni wa'alimuka kalimatin. Let me teach you a few words. Take care of your obligations to Allah and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of you. So he's connecting him with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So sometimes when you're driving, instead of having the kids fight each other, <laughs> why don't you remind them? And also it helps you because you're going to have to look up these facts or you're going to have to look up these things and share it so you can share it with your children. So take responsibility because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to ask us about the ties of kinship. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will hold us accountable for it on the day of judgment. We will not enter Jannah if we don't enjoy relations. لا يدخل الجنة قاطر So it's very important to enjoy these bonds and to spend quality time with our families. And so make sure before you leave this place, start planning something with your family, with your children, with your aunts and uncles. Doing, do something that will strengthen these bonds and ties of kinship. Because if you don't do it, and your children grow up and so forth, what's going to happen? You don't take care of them when they're young? They're not going to take care of you also. They're going to put you in the old folks home. And you might, they might not come visit you also because you haven't strengthened these bonds from the very beginning. So strengthen these bonds and make this one of the priorities. Wa jazakumullahu khairan wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam.